Welcome in, listeners. This is the Wagner Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Garini, joined by my co-host, Nick Musto. Nick? Glad to be here. Um, so today, we're going to be discussing our tiers three to five of running backs um, going in fantasy drafts. These tiers are going to be a little larger than tiers one and two. If you listen to the first podcast that released on Sunday, Thursday, Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it's yeah, a, it's a Pareto distribution where the, the top, you know, 80% of the production yeah. comes from the top 20% in society. It's kind of similar to mm-hmm. how our tiers work. The top is very thin. Um, there's very few elites. There's more options as we get deeper into the tiers. Follow us on our socials, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, at Wagme Fantasy. Visit our website at wagmefantasy.com. Catch up on your readings, subscribe to your newsletter, anything you need to find, it's right there. Um, without further ado, let's go into our tier three running backs. These are guys that we would love as our high-end RB2s, um, but most of them are going to fill out the low-end RB1 echelon. So we have Alvin Kamara, DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones, Saquon Barkley, Leonard Fournette, and James Conner. Those are the, what are the six. six guys? There's six guys that are, we would be okay with taking as our RB1. We'd rather have them as our RB2. Um, I think they're all going to be available in the, from pick 11 on. So you're going to get them in the second round. Who do you want to highlight first? Who's your favorite guy? Who, who is worth, who is most worthy of a first round pick in this group? So if I were going to take any of these guys as an RB1, it would be, DeAndre Swift. Um, I'm going to say that with a little hesitancy because Aaron Jones is also in this group, but I'm a little more high on DeAndre Swift. I could see him as a tier two running back. Um, if he would have finished the season at, with a complete season last year, he would definitely be a tier two running back this year. I think he was top five um, to start the season until he came down with injury. Um, Dan Campbell is going to find a way to get him the ball because he is the Lions' best player. He is electric in the receiving game. He's not much of a runner in between the tackles, but that's okay. It's not his play style, and he doesn't really need to be. He's productive from the receiving game. Um, I think the game script that the Lions will find themselves in quite often this year also benefits um, DeAndre Swift, whereas this doesn't really benefit many other running backs, but they're going to be playing from behind. And Typically, a running back that is an in-between-the-tackles running back is not going to benefit from a losing uh, from losing in a game. They're going to have to throw the ball quite often to come back and put up a fight. Good. So DeAndre Swift fits perfectly with how bad this team is. He averaged so, six targets per game last yeah. year. Um, when they're losing, that's a great thing for mm-hmm. DeAndre Swift just because he's a great receiving back. He's electric in open space. He's going to get the ball. Um, now – I would like to say if Alvin Kamara is not suspended at all, he's definitely going to be thrown up there in that tier two, maybe even tier one. Um, He's without a doubt a top six running back for me. If he's not suspended at all, if he does get that six game suspension, he slides down way down the draft boards for me. Obviously you can't deal with a second round pick being out for six games. He had 11 carries. Alvin Kamara is my favorite. If he's not suspended, Um, he was top seven in yards per route ran and yards created. Um, showing that he's still a really efficient playmaker when the ball's in his hands. Found the end zone 12 less times and corralled 34 less receptions in his first season without Drew Brees, yet he still averaged 18 points per game was RB8. He only had two touchdowns off of 11 carries inside the five. 
previous year, he had 11 touchdowns off 15 carries. It was a weird year for the Saints offense. I feel like they're dysfunctional with Jameis Winston coming in his first year, then getting hurt. Taysom Hill, Ian Book, Travis Seaman, man, um, <laughs> all taking turns playing quarterback. I feel like Kamara is definitely the safest guy out of this group, barring suspension. Um, with that being said, if he is suspended, my favorite guy is my RB1 is Aaron Jones. I definitely think that Aaron Jones is like, this is the last year he's going to give us a top six finish. Um, he is going to lead Green Bay in receptions or at least come pretty damn near it uh, and targets. He's electric in open space. Last year, he finished as RB10, missing two games, getting out rushed by A.J. Dillon. Um, I think this year they both are really great running backs, and I would say Team Swift as well. Like, I would say that, but I did pre-base projections. I had Aaron Jones getting right around 85 targets on the year, um, 65 catches, and that was great enough to warrant a top eight finish last year. Um, he was projected outscore DeAndre Swift by 10 points for this next year. Um, Aaron Jones, he averaged 5.3 yards per touch. Without Tay, he led the team in receiving. In seven games, he had 46 catches, 388 yards, and four touchdowns. I think he's my favorite guy in here. When you look at the trio of Saquon Barkley, Leonard Fournette, James Conner, those are all guys that, if they're my RB1s, I pretty I better have like a really strong duo of wide receivers above them. Yeah, I agree. Um, so if, uh, you mentioned James Conner. Um, someone I'm not as high on in this tier. Um, he was a touchdown machine last year. Going to regress, if it doesn't regress, uh, shoot me, I guess, because I've been saying this all offseason. Um, as a Steelers fan, sorry to talk about this, I watched this guy run straight into the tackles for two straight seasons, and it just drove me insane. He's not a good running back, and the 3.7 yards per carry last year proved this. I get that he's on a team where he's going to be in positions to score touchdowns. Because he's scoring so many one- and two-yard touchdowns yeah. his yards per carry mark just keeps on getting tanked. No, oh, yeah, definitely. He, he had 11 touchdowns inside the five-yard line. He is the goal line guy in Arizona's offense, and they really struggled to punch the ball into the end zone. He was one of the few guys that really succeeded at doing just that. So I think James Conner, I do agree with you. He or Saquon Barkley's at the, the end of this tier, the transition guy. Um, again, I feel like if I want an RB1 out of the trio of James Conner and Leonard Fournette and Saquon Barkley, I think I'd go Leonard Fournette just because of safety in Tampa Bay's offense with Tom Brady. The trust is there. The target share is there. Um, nonetheless, I hope they're my RB2 instead of my rb one and if they are my RB1, I better have a really strong wide receiver duos. Aaron Jones, DeAndre Swift, Alvin Kamara, all are much safer, in my opinion. Uh, Kamara, obviously, suspension matters. Uh, let's go to tier four, guys. And this is going to upset some listeners because we got two names in here that ADP shows mm -hmm. that they should be in that tier three or arguably tier two, guys, or you know, below that. We have Nick Chubb, Javante Williams, and Ezekiel Elliott, all paired in the tier four, the final tier of higher end RB2s, we'll yeah. call it. Um, let's start with Chubb because he's the one that we're scrutinizing the most. Um, yeah, so Nick Chubb, one of the best running backs in the league, pure runner. 
Um, but he doesn't catch the ball. He averages somewhere in between 15 to 20 receptions a year the last two years. Um, so he's not his ceiling for receptions is 25. He had 36 in 2019, I think it was. But um, yeah, so with Kareem Hunt in town, it's just he he caps his his ceiling and his floor. Um, he's not going to get the receiving baseline um, to just boost his stats week by week. And he's not going, there's going to be touchdowns that go Kareem Hunt's way. So that caps his ceiling as well. So there's just a lot to be worried about with Nick Chubb. Even if he has a great game, a great football game, runs for 95 yards and doesn't catch you a pass. Yeah, like it's it's nine points and you're pissed off. So. I, I agree with you. He's too like touchdown reliant to get those spike weeks. And I feel like his ceiling's capped off very shallow compared to the running backs up above just because he's missing out on that mm-hmm. receiving upside. We have Kareem Hunt there who was on pace for 200 touches last year. Um, all these guys catch passes. He's gonna Nick Chubb's gonna have his games where he has 100 plus yards and two touchdowns, but there's only gonna be one or two of them, or maybe three. And the rest of them, his ceiling is 15 points. His ceiling is 90 yards, one touchdown. Um, 130 yards, no touchdown. You know, um, he is the best running back, the best downfield runner in the league. I will stand by that but he's not the best fantasy running back. Yeah. And really the receiving workload is missing. And then combine that with, well, we don't know if he's, he's going to be the guy in the red zone could be Kareem hunt because they split time pretty 50, 50 down there. Um, that's why he's in finds himself in this tier four, even though he's being drafted in the upper, like the top spot of tier three, we aren't as high on him as most in fantasy football and we aren't as high on him the same with the next yep. guy javante williams is another guy in a split backfield who we feel is being overdrafted thus warranting this shift down to tier four melvin gordon's there like yeah. him and gordon and williams each had 203 carries last year even if it transitions from 50 50 to like 60 40 I don't like Javante finishes RB 17 last year. So perhaps he could eke his way into the top 15. Um, but I'm not as confident in that because Melvin Gordon's such a great red zone back historically. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had, he's one of, I think four players since entering the league with 60 plus touchdowns. That just shows the longevity of Melvin Gordon, but he's had eight or nine plus touchdowns in every year for the past six years. Um, yeah, what do, what do you got to say about Javante? All I have to say is that Melvin Gordon did better than him with the same amount of touches. Um, so I he had more yards and three more touchdowns. So, I mean, like Javante, the the eye the eye test says Javante was a better running back, but yeah. yeah, statistically Melvin Gordon was slightly better. That being said, Javante finishes RB seventeen to Gordon's RB twenty one. Yeah, I don't think Javante belongs in Tier 3 yet. Um, I think he's still a boy and he needs to grow up a little bit before becoming a man, you know? Yeah, and if you're the Broncos, you like having two good running backs. You're going to use two good running backs. Keeps them healthy. They're going to be a very a, a threat to the Super Bowl this year. So they're going to try to preserve both guys and make it to the playoffs with both guys. So they're not going to throw a workload on Javante this year. I'm sorry, not happening. And I'm not leaving any drafts with him. He's not not someone I'm high on at all. So the third component to tier four and is, is Zeke. And one thing in common that all three of these guys have is that they're in 
committee backfields. And two of them, Chubb and Williams, are discounted to tier four because of that. Well, Zeke, um, we're shoving him up to tier four, and many of which would have him maybe slightly lower. He's going as an RB16 right now. Uh, you're a big Zeke guy. So am I, just because I think, you know, he's finished as a top 10 receiver every year of his career. And I don't see that stopping this Has year. It? Top 12 um, receiver. Or, yeah, receiver. <laughs> Woo! Running back. It's been uh, a long day. Early. Um, but yeah, as we've said, Zeke, top 10, top 12. I think it's top 10, honestly. Um, every season that he's been in the NFL. Um, Last season for the first five games, we mentioned, I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but I think it's important to harp on here. 98, 90 rush yards per game was his average in those first five games. And he was on pace for a 1500 rushing yard season. Then the injury happens and he only ran for 550 yards after that. So those are two important things to note. He was on pace to have another like set in stone RB one season. He was going to finish top five, top six position again. Um, he still finishes RB7. Yeah, he's yeah, exactly. Disappointing year. I feel like him and Stefan Diggs are very similar in their seasons um, last year. Yeah, because you know they're elite consensus wide receiver ones and RB1s throughout their, their career. And they have a slightly disappointing year last year, but they still finished seventh at their position. Um, only disappointing because of what you paid for them. Um, I feel like Zeke. In Dallas, you know, you're missing Amari Cooper. You're missing Cedric Wilson. Tony Pollard's going to be used a lot, but he's going to be used as a hybrid back, a wide receiver back. I feel like Zeke's definitely discounted because of that um, shared backfield. I feel like he's a better value than Javante Williams for oh, yeah. sure. And I would argue Zeke over Nick Chubb too, but we'll save that debate for later. Yeah, Those are three guys that I feel like, if they're my RB2, I feel like I have a really strong um, starting duo for running backs. Yeah. And, and hopefully you got a good receiver at that point, too. Yep. So you're taking them later. They're not guys that if if they're my RB1s, I'm definitely concerned. I'm definitely uh, needing to fill out my RB depth really quickly in order to get good talent in there. But those are the three names that I feel safest out of that RB quote-unquote dead zone mm -hmm. between, you know, the hit rate's not very high. Even though Nick Chubb's going in the first late first round, early second round, um, he could be susceptible to flopping a little bit mm -hmm. and finishing closer to RB15 than 10. Um, but there are three guys that I feel safe with as my RB2. We get into tier five. This is the dead zone material. This is our like favorite. I don't our even want, yeah, I, I don't even want to call them our favorite targets, but they're the guys that end up as my RB2 in a lot of drafts. Yeah. Dave Montgomery, Josh Jacobs, Antonio Gibson, Elijah Mitchell, Travis Etienne. I would throw uh your boy Bruce Hall in there too. Um he's, yeah he's another he was fringe for me. Yep, he's another dead zone guy, but Montgomery and Jacobs are very similar in the same way they get a lot of volume. And they can find the end zone seven plus times each season in their career. Montgomery had a career low 600 or wow, 627 now, 267 touches <laughs> last year. Um, but he's going to be a volume hog again in a bad offense. One of the few playmakers in that offense. He had 42 receptions last year. I'm inclined to say that he'll better that. Um, he's a strong RB2. I say the same about Josh Jacobs yeah. 21 touchdowns in the last two years. 
Vegas was 29th in red zone efficiency last year. Josh Jacobs will improve this. Um, combine that with Jacobs' 54 receptions last year. He finally has that safe floor. I feel like Josh Jacobs is my favorite player in this tier five. I would consider drafting him in that tier four range. Um, that's just me. Yeah, there's three guys that I'm really interested in this tier. It's Montgomery, Jacobs, and my baby Elijah Mitchell. So I'll talk about him next. Um, as you have your third highest opportunity share among running backs, um, 11 games, 963 yards last year. Um, those are great numbers, about 80 to 90 yards per game. Um, he did get involved in the receiving game as well. He caught about 20, 22 passes, I think it was, through those 11 games. So those are good numbers. Given six more games, he catches 30. 35, 30, 35, yeah, passes, something like that. Um, and hopefully this year we won't see as much Debo out of the backfield and it will be more, even more of Elijah Mitchell's backfield, which would just benefit this pick even more. I see a lot of analysts are really low on him this year. I just don't get why. I think that he's going to be great, and I'm leaving a lot of drafts with him as my argument. I like him. He had six games with 15-plus points last year. He never really dudded, never left you out to dry. His lowest total last year was 7.3 points. Um, that's still feasible. Like You can still win your week. He's not going to leave you out to dry there. I feel like the two names that I'm not as high on in here as Antonio Gibson and Travis Etienne Maybe they weren't a, a denomination relegation to the lower tier, um, but we'll still include them. Gift card. Antonio Gibson is the gift card um, to like Subway or whatever. You know, you're like, thanks, Aunt Jenny, but I don't eat at Subway. Uh, he's finished as a top 12 receiver. Or Wow, why do I keep on saying receiver? Yeah. Top 12 running back to start his career off back-to-back um, -back seasons. He's the lead back in a very run-dominant offense. They have the fourth easiest run defense schedule and their identity is not going to change with Carson Wentz in there. They're still going to be a very run heavy offense. Um, I don't care that Brian Robinson is there. Well, actually I do a little bit. He could siphon some goal line work, um, but I still think Antonio Gibson is that guy. There's, I don't find a reason why they take the trust out of his hands after fumbling the ball six times this past two years and now place it in a rookie's hands. Um, I think Gibson's still the lead back. They like him. He was fifth in abated tackles last year. Jacobs was seventh, by the way. Um, both are both are good running backs. Yeah. And Jacobs, I'll go back to him because I want to throw this fun fact that I found. He has the six most receptions of all time with no touchdown. Isn't that crazy? He's never had a receiving touchdown? Never had a receiving touchdown. Wow. Over, like, I think <laughs> it is 108 receptions or something like that. That'd be good for six most all time. Um, Travis Etienne, though, the last name in this group, he's used as a receiving weapon, and we forget how electric he is. Um, he's he's getting either you're either really high on Travis Etienne or you're really low, saying that he was a wasted pick by Urban Meyer. And I know you're thumbs down on ETM. I'm thumbs up. He's electric. He averaged 17.2 yards per carry in college paired with Trevor Lawrence. So he does have that familiarity in the offense. Doug Peterson's there. You will see the Peterson effect. Jacksonville is going to be much improved. There's no James Robinson yet. And that kind of levels the experience field for this year. I feel like when you have ETN getting thousands of reps this offseason and Robinson in uh, a cast or whatever, yeah. it, those those reps add up and it, it'll kind of level the playing field between the two because Robinson has two years of familiarity. 
feel like EPN is going to be the lead back, at least to start the year. Um, yeah, those are going to be most teams RB2s right there. Yeah, and I could see throwing Brees Hall again into this tier. I personally would take him over Travis Etienne, but that's a discussion for another day. Cam Akers is a one name that we left out here on purpose. He's, yeah. I, I don't like him that much. We'll go to late round running backs next week. Um, we'll get into receivers next episode, yeah. tiers three to five. Uh, follow us on our socials at Wag Me Fantasy, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. Facebook, I'm starting to actually use. It's kind of crazy. Uh, finally figured it out at age 20. Um, but yeah, visit our website at wagmefantasy.com and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Peace.